0: Welcome to the Coach Cahill Show, an audio master class on how to move the needle on your performance and impact as an athlete, parent, or coach. Here's your host, Coach Cahill. What's up, Coach Nation? Coach Cahill here to talk to you about building team culture as a new coach with East Lee County High School head football coach, pj gibbs in florida coach gibbs brings a wealth of experience to today's conversation from being a usa football master trainer to being on staff with the u.s national football team to coaching team japan's national football program he's also a student of the game with two published books which we will link to in the show notes called the right defense for you volumes one and two enjoy all right coach so what's one thing you believe about coaching that most people disagree with you on but you think is important
1: uh, I think one thing that it, in today's generation that uh, probably it's kind of like a love him or hate them type of thing is, is honesty. Uh, I think that's something that, um, you know, people try to, I think a lot of people in, in, in our industry, not, not so much coaches. I, I think there's people that are outside influences that want, want, want to tell kids what they want to hear yep. uh, where I think today, more than anything, you need to be upfront and honest with kids, because obviously with, you know, social media and the kids getting their self gratification through that, You know, it, it, you know, it almost makes it like, um, you know, just they need to be told the truth and, and, and the truth, you know, it's going to hurt more than likely, but at the end of the day, you know, we, as football coaches are getting these kids ready for life after football. So the more truth you can give them, I think you're doing them a great service as a football coach.
0: And have you found that the kids that you have coached over your coaching career have, changed in certain ways over
1: time maybe over the past decade or so i i think so uh you know I, I think social media has a lot to do with that i mean i can remember um you know 10 years ago uh you know being at my alma mater Manasquan high school in new jersey and uh mm-hmm. we were very football rich tradition small town like uh well you know we always call it like a norman rockwell painting like you were kind of in like that little 1950s americana um slash varsity blues thing <laughs> going on and it was just uh, you know, a different kind of kid. And then, you obviously, you get the social media today. And I think I, I saw a great post on on Twitter, you know, just reading through, through some stuff the other day. Um, I forget who it was from, but, um, you know, a lot of people were talking about, like, the seven-on-sevens and competitions and one-on-ones and, you know, how kids won't go as hard as they should because they're afraid of getting recorded and getting dogged on. You know, I, I think that's that, – that's, I think the biggest change is kids are more concerned with their – with their self image, rather than just going out and competing for a starting spot or competing for, you know, uh, for their teammate. So uh, I think, yeah, definitely, there's definitely been a change in the last 10 years.
0: And you obviously have younger coaches work under you, you probably have former players who have become coaches, um, or you see, you know, uh, young teachers as well come in. And one of the things that, uh, well, I guess I'll ask you, what's the number one problem that you see young or the number one mistake you see young coaches making when they're trying to establish themselves their culture and their and their authority as the head coach on a team or or as a coach on the team
1: i i think as as an educator in general i think uh you see a lot of people that want to be friends with these kids and, and and they don't know how to you know separate personal from from coach and uh because, you know, it, it's I think it's kind of like that substitute teacher mentality. You build with these kids then because it's like, well, you, we know we can get away with this with coach so-and-so. So let's do it. And then then when you try to demand, uh, you know, something from these kids that they, they're going to look at you like you have nine heads because you were the cool coach. Mm. And, uh, I, you know, I think that's a, that's an issue that um, happens not just in football. I think it happens. You know, you see it in education. Um, you know, You have to be someone that's you know, the demands respect and you have to, you know, set, set your tone. And, you know, that's kind of what we're doing here at East Lee is, is kind of, you know, setting it, setting a culture and the standard of expectations that, you know, we're, we're not going to let you get away with what, what happened in the past. We're going to learn from it. You know, we're not going to live in it. We're going to learn from it. But um, I think that substitute teacher mentality would be something that um, young coaches should definitely try to avoid.
0: I had a mentor that I used to coach for, and we were talking exactly about, this, cause I was a new teacher in the school district. I was getting my head kicked in by these kids. And uh, he was, came into one of my classes and he just goes, man, when you do for one, you do for all. Mm-hmm. You know, so so whatever, if you let Johnny have his cell phone out, you just told 29 other kids in the class, cell phone out is cool now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's hard for a young coach to understand that there's a, cause they don't need more friends. No, you know, they need somebody who's going to demand them you know, hit a higher level of performance or be, you know, at their full potential. Um, and there's always that tension over like wanting to be liked. I think you're liked in retrospect, you know, yeah, as a coach more than you are probably in the moment. Um, what If I were to walk into your program at like a lift or a practice, how would you describe the culture of your team or, or maybe like the, the, the final vision of where you'd like your team culture to be at? How would you describe
1: your, your well, career? I think if you walked in, if you walked into our weight room, uh, you would see, uh, you know, coaches, you know, I'm, I'm someone that delegates authority. I think, I think at any, any leadership role, you have to delegate authority. You have to uh, demand a high expectation of yourself and you have to demand a high expectation of your coaches and explain what their job is. You know, like, don't just say, Hey, go do hang cleans." You know, well, what, what are your expectations of, of what the clean should look like, you know? And, um, if you walked into our waiting room, you would see three stations going with a flex and mobility station across the hall in our in our hope room and, and 15 to 20 minutes. And we're moving. You know, the, the thing for us is teaching these kids a sense of urgency. We always got to be moving. Uh, we don't walk on the field. If we walk on the field, we stop and we run. Uh, you know, it's 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 setting that tone. So you basically condition them to understand that when you're in football, and how it's going to translate into life. Like, you know, you're going to demand accountability. You're going to, you're going to demand that they respect everyone from the the janitor to the principal, the same way. And um, you know, I I think it's also setting the tone with how you handle discipline. I think, you know, coach Bowden used to say like, you know, if you have too many rules, you're going to dig yourself a hole. And I think every situation you have to handle is fluid because it is, I mean, every kid is different and you know how you want to handle that stuff. But you know, our culture is a culture of high expectations, accountability, and also, you know, making sure the kids understand that foot, the football skills we're going to teach them are going to get them ready for life after football.
0: And it's, it's interesting. You said, like you mentioned the janitor, how you treat the janitor or the secretaries. I just talked to one of the coaches over at FIU and he mentioned that he, one of the things that he rates most highly on a kid's uh, recruiting profile is what's the initial reaction, the secretaries and janitors, or maintenance staff of a school have of a kid that they're recruiting. And if they give you a look, you know, that's, that's yeah, usually a red flag. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. There's, there's no doubt about that. You know, and I, I've, I've run recruiting at the, the, you know, this is my third high school in Florida. Um, I've, I've run the recruiting. And, and that's one thing I tell the kids is, you know, they're not just going to talk to me, you know, especially, you know, the, the higher level kids, you know, they're going to go around, they're going to talk to the principal. They're going to talk to the AD. They're going to grab a teacher in the hallway. And say, how was this kid in class? Did you ever have him in class? Was he on time for class? And then you get the, you know, the kids that have an opportunity to make that jump to the to play on Sunday. And then it's like, there, th- those teams are sending letters to you know, like your third grade spelling teacher, you know, because they 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 want to know all this stuff about you because you that you were you were a three hundred fifty thousand dollar investment in college. Think of what you are at the NFL level, you know. So, um, you know, I think, you know, instituting that. And, and letting the kid, making sure the kids understand that, you know, well, I had a kid in my office today, we were talking and I have to understand, you have to understand now that you're so-and-so the football player. So like, if you screw around in math class, they're not calling your English teacher. They're calling me, you know, because, because you know, I've set that tone with the faculty that I will handle our kids, you know, and then and, and that will be not, that screwing around in class will not be tolerated because that is a direct reflection of our program. And that's not something that we want to be easily. Sure.
0: And to flip over to recruiting a little bit more, um, what's your biggest pet peeve as a head coach when you're, or I guess, what's the, what's the greatest, what's the biggest misconception that you find you have to continually dispel for parents and players who you're trying to help out and help through the recruiting process?
1: Man, I would say um, I'm all for competition. I really am. If you want to go out and compete, um at, at camps and stuff um you know I'm all for that I I think these ratings you know that 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 the guys are concerned with you know here's the deal if you're a great player Kyle, with with what we have in social media today and how huddle and quick cut and all these systems are with their highlights and all that stuff signing day sports they're gonna find you you know so I like I to me it, it's it, I have to kind of bring the parent a lot of the parents back down to reality that like hey listen they might not go fbs they might go d3 and that's okay but the bottom line is and this is kind of going back to the, your first question you know with honesty i i what you see is what you get I, i'm going to be you, you may not like what i'm telling you but i'm going to be honest it's 22 years of experience and the relationships that i built with college coaches it the, the ultimate goal for you as a family is the number zero it's how can we get you to college for free using football as a vessel for your education? Because 1% of the high school football playing population will play big time football on Saturday. Half of that percent will get an opportunity to play on Sunday. So when you break it down for them in, in, in tangible, they, some of them get it. Others of them don't. Right. And it, like my whole thing, my thing usually is like, well, you know, we, we want to look at a preferred walk on. We'll get you if you can afford it. The, 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 the football program doesn't care because you, you're not costing them any money. So, you know, a, P, a P.W.O. At a, at a at a at a ACC school or whatever, if you can get into the school and you want to pay, they'll take you because it's not costing them anything. Right. You know, so I, I would say, like, don't concentrate so much on on the hype train, like just uh, do more, say less. You know, I, I think that, I think that would be something that I, I, you know, I usually push to a lot of these kids. But again, I'm all for competition. If guys want to go, hey, coach, I want to go to you. You know, especially after after this past year, if guys want to go out and go to camps and compete. Man, I'm all for that. Mm-hmm. And
0: um, as a as a carry on to that, piggyback on that question, um, have you? What's your take on? Uh, recruits committing the decommitting or, or the, the sense that I get, and I'm sure you probably feel this too, when you're, it doesn't really matter that kind of the stereotype with like the current generation is like, they're really wishy-washy. They're not sure exactly what they want. And I mean, listen, who really knows what they want as an 18, 17 year old kid, for sure. Uh, but through things like social media, that natural tendency has been cranked up and amplified a thousandfold. And college coaches are often very wary about okay, like you said you committed, but am I going to get a text like a month later that you decommitted to go somewhere else? You're going to, if you encounter some adversity, are you going to hop in the transfer portal the, the first second that happens? Um, what's your take or, or what is your stance that you communicate to kids on what it means to make a commitment to a college program, even if it's verbal?
1: Well, I mean, I always tell, and again, we're talking, we're going to talk pre-COVID. I've always told kids, if if a college is interested in you, and you like that college, you need to go up and visit. You need to drive around. You need to see what the town is. Um, you, you need to know what, what you, cause you're gonna be there for the next four to five years. So find out how far you are from a major city if you're not close to one, where's the airport? Where can I go to eat? What, you know What can I do to hang out with my friends? My family comes up, where can they go? Drive around and, and get to know the town, the people in the town, like go up there for a weekend and, and see if you like it. Um, as as far as a commitment goes, I mean, I always tell the kids what the coach, you know, you know, I got offered by so and so. All right, coach, I really like this. Okay, well, you need to ask that recruiting coach that or that position coach that offered you is that a committable offer? Because we know that colleges will just throw out offers, you know, and they're non committable. But what if that kid really likes that school, you know, and he wants? Well, then, no, we don't have a we don't have a spot for you. Then why'd you offer? You know, so um, I would say, like, for for me, it's if you're going to make a commitment, you better be 100 percent sure. Now, again, there are things that are extenuating family member gets sick or what have you. Um, But, you know, for 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 our guys, it's do your research, do your homework. Let's get on a virtual visit. Let's get on a Zoom. Let's let um, are you sure this is where you want to go? Because I said. You know, the thing is, as what I tell you guys, is what you have to understand is if you make that commitment and now you decommit, you may have just ruined it for guys two or three years younger than you. And that school may never come back. So it, it not it just, it just doesn't affect you. It could affect the sophomore class, the freshman class, the incoming eighth grade class, because that coach might just say, mm-hmm. hey, I, I'm in Florida and I'm bypassing that school because I uh, th- that kid decommitted and, and coaches move and they talk and that's another thing we tell the kids like the guy that recruited you may not be there by the time you're a senior, he may be at yeah. another school. Yep. that That's just the nature of the business. So, um, I think, I think for first and foremost, you got to do your research. You got to get up BIC places and as things start to loosen up, you know, more and more, I think that'll be something that this 22 class will be able to you know, be able to do. Definitely.
0: And can you talk a little bit about your experience with USA football and the U uh, S national football team, um, Perhaps because I'm from the from New England, it's, it's not, you know, football. We like football in the Northeast. We don't love it. Um, lacrosse is like, you know, a religion out here. But um, I, I feel like a, a not enough Americans understand what USA football actually does and what the national team does. So can you kind of explain what it is, what your role is, and why, you know, uh, it might be a good thing for kids to consider trying out for?
1: Man, let me tell you, it, it, is, uh, it is the best organization going. In 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 the world, um, the USA Football and the US National Team. Um, uh, Mr. Hallenbach, the CEO of USA Football, does a tremendous job. Um, you know, being a master trainer, I get to work with great people like Andy Rile and Rashad Ellaby and Beth Bakura. Um, and we get to travel the country and you know, obviously you know pre-COVID and talk to youth programs about you know proper tackling techniques and um, you know how to pr- plan a practice and. No uh, heat, and hydration, things like that. Um, how to fit a helmet correctly? How to fit, fit shoulder pads correctly? Um, the U.S. National Team program, which is uh, run by Aaron Ingram, um, Al Pops, and and and, and Chuck T. Um, I can't say enough good things about it. It, it. It's given me so many opportunities. I've got to be a head coach for two two U.S. teams and one Japanese team uh, last January. Um, the the process of getting there is really awesome and they've done a phenomenal job of getting kids to places that they probably never will get to. And what I mean by that is like this week they're they're gonna be in um, they're gonna be in Colorado, they're gonna be having the, the regional at the University of Colorado. Um, they've been to the Indianapolis Colts practice facility, the, the San Francisco 49ers uh, Levi Stadium. They just had the regional combine uh, the, the the combine for the uh, national team at the star in Frisco. So you, you're not only getting, you're not only getting great athletes, you're getting the best in the country at what they do to coach these kids. And it's a first class run organization. And you're going to these venues that um, for, for, for the, you know, for, for the lack of better term, most of those kids will never get an opportunity to actually step foot on that field. And then if you make the international, the national team, then you get to play an AT&T stadium. On ESPN. So it's like, what else could you want as a as a 14 through 18 year old kid? And then as a coach, I can't say enough good things about how well things are run. Like when you get hired to coach for the US national team, it is like you're a professional football coach. You have ops people that take care of all your housekeeping, attendance, bed check. you if you're hired by Coach Ingram, you are there to win. You are there to win that game. And it it is meticulously run. Selection process. I mean, it, it's something that I, I can't thank those guys enough. I've been a coach at every international bowl since 2016, and uh, they gave me the opportunity to coach the Japanese team last January. We won, yeah. you know. Uh, <laughs> so, um, but um, they let me pick my guys, my staff, and it's just awesome. I, I think any kid. And the cool thing is, is that it's it's not it's not a combine. It's, yeah. it, it's a fundamental camp. So you're going to, it's like going to a practice. You're going to position coaches. You're doing drills. You're doing seven on seven. You're doing one-on-ones. You're doing um, pass blocking, O-line, D-line. Um, you're doing team stuff. You're learning how to do the heads-up tackling. Uh, you're doing competition. So it is like a, a weekend of football practice. And it, like I said, I can't say enough good things about those guys, man. They, they are great dudes. Um, you know, Coach Ingram actually did the, fo- the first uh, forward for my book. Um, he's a dear friend of mine, man. And I, I wouldn't be here I, where I am today without Aaron. Hibbert.
0: And so it seems like, um, you know, obviously he's a, he's a mentor for you. Um, and I think I find like a lot of successful coaches, high school, college, uh, even players like they have really good who luck. Like they, they just kind of stumble into these mentors who just yeah. you know decide, hey, you know, I'm going to help this guy out. What would yep. be the one, uh, lesson that coach Ingram Taught you or, or impact just one way, but like the most impactful way that uh, he has helped you as a mentor.
1: Uh, I would say um, when I was interviewing for this head coaching job, uh, I got on the phone with him and I uh, just kind of picked his brain. You know, he had coached at the, at the, at the collegiate level for many, many years, and um, I I've I'd, I'd been on two other interviews and made it to the finals and not got it down here. And I was like, you know, what am I missing? You know, he's like, hey, listen, he's like, sell yourself, sell your program. he's he's like you've done it at a high level for us he's like go in there and just knock it out of the park and just be yourself don't he goes don't don't try to do more because he goes he said to me he's like because the same thing you're going to ask of the kids you're not going to ask the kids to do more than what's expected of them so don't try to try to blow the doors off just be yourself relax sell your vision and you know knock on wood you know ended up getting offered the job so that that was some great advice from coach
0: And as a coach, you have, you said, you you mentioned you had 22 years of experience and maybe there's younger coaches listening or or players who want to get into coaching eventually. Um, Coaching is a lot of network and life is a lot of networking. Um, What would be one piece of advice you would give to an aspiring young coach on how to best make connections with other coaches and grow their network?
1: Well, I think you got to, I mean, first of all, you got to get a job. So... um, you know, dependent. And, and again, it varies by states. You know, when I was in New Jersey, you know, you're teaching and coaching in the same building and um you never really left, uh, to be honest with you. But I, I you know, if if do your research on, on guys that you want to work for, um, or you may be in the building when a new coach comes in and and they may hire you. So I would say to a young coach looking to to make connections, I would say, um, first at your job, do what's asked of you, do even more. Uh, you know when I first started out coaching, you know, this was before huddle. I was the huddle. I was the guy that did the breakdown. I did the ODK and the down and distance and the hash. I mean, that, that I had a, I had a spreadsheet on it. I mean, that, that, that was me. Um, you know, I would say be willing, be willing to do anything and everything um, and, and, and just work hard. Now, as far as the connection piece, uh, when this stuff starts clearing up and in most st- most states down here and in, in the Midwest, like in Texas and stuff, That's gonna start clearing up more too. Get to conventions, have business cards, like don't. But my thing is, don't be afraid to talk to people and don't be afraid to ask for anything because the worst thing someone can tell you is no. You know, because at the end of the day, you're just trying to get yourself better. And um, you know, I can't tell you how many guys that, you know, I've I've just asked like, hey, you know, I saw you, you know, do this on Saturday. I reach out to them on social media or I got their number from another coach and. If, if they, you know, if they give it to me, great. If not, I'll just move on to someone else. Like, you know, just, just, just go out there and put, don't be afraid to put yourself out there, you know, sure. um, and and just be who you are.
0: But I think that also comes to to bring it back to players and we're kind of ping ponging between coaches and players. But, you know, a lot of kids in the recruiting game are afraid to hear no, because it's the first time in their life they're, they might be told no. And that's part of it but also you kind of have to help kids and, and maybe younger professionals understand you know oh yeah they might say no but what if they say yes you know it 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 could go 50-50 um you've obviously thought a lot about your culture you're very meticulous you're very well spoken um i'm curious where do you see football going as a sport in the next 5 10 15 years from a from a new england standpoint where, kind of where i'm coming from in connecticut you know, it's the, the numbers are drop. The numbers were dropping even pre-COVID. You know, most of the, even the bigger public schools out here, like, uh, uh, you know, Darien or, or New Canaan, maybe you've heard of those places. You know, they they dropped their freshman teams for the first time, and oh, since anybody could remember, now it's always kind of back and forth. But this for a couple of years there haven't really been dedicated freshman teams anymore. Um, so, I guess like, where do you kind of see football going in the next? In, in the near future
1: well um so you bring up connecticut so my college teammate uh james liver is the head coach at Enfield high school okay uh, yep so james, yep james is a college teammate of mine He's doing a great job out there um you know to be honest with you i i i don't see i don't see it going away um yep. you know the the whole freshman thing really doesn't really doesn't bother me like like our program we're not we're, we're not going to have a freshman team. And the reason behind that is I did some research into the teams in Georgia and Texas. Um, I don't want to split my staff. So I want all our kids getting coached by varsity coaches. So I don't see that as, as a negative per se. Um, because now what you can have is you can have your, your freshman kids play JV. Um, we have a six quarter rule down here in Florida where kids can play two quarters on Thursday night and then play, play again on Friday. Um, so maybe that might be something that, you know, you guys take a look at. I don't know. Um, you know, and there's, there's always going to be critics. I mean, the easiest thing to talk about is, is head injuries, sure. you know, but, you know, when you look at the numbers, there's more head injuries in girls soccer than there is in football. But I, I,
0: will, I will say almost every year I get, you know, we get injury notifications as teachers. and It's almost always soccer. Yeah. It, like have the, has the most you concussions.
1: Know, the thing is like, you, you know, you look at Saturday and Sunday, what's everybody watching in the fall? they're watching football yeah. and that's right. a multi-million dollar industry. So it's, it's a, it's a, it, it's, it's something that will always be attacked for that. But I think what coaches can do is put out there to their parents and to their booster clubs that, Hey, listen, we're going to get heads up tackle certified. We're, we're going to do this. And then what you do is and what I, what I'm, what I'm going to do with, with these parents, because I'm, I'm obviously new to the school is I'm going to do a mom's clinic in August and we're going to put the moms through a tackling circuit to show them how we're teaching their kids how to tackle. Um, and I think the more you community involvement you get and, mm-hmm. and like we we're talking about the going back to honesty again, like the more open and tangible you make things for people and don't leave a whole lot of gray areas. I mean, yeah, there's some going to be some people that don't like you or don't like it, but that's life. Right. You know, not everybody's going to like it or like you. You know, so, yeah. um, and that really doesn't bother me because my wife loves me and my and my kids love me. So at the end of the day, that's all that matters, you know. Um, but I think I think the more you get the community involved and show them what you're doing, because again, it's it's like a text message almost. Like, you you can't interpret the tone of someone in a text. So like when the kid comes home and says, "Oh, so and so this with tackling," now the alarm goes off. You know, concussion. Yeah right yeah so it, it's it's like if you bring them on the field and say, "Okay, this is what we're doing, or zoom with them, show them videos, this is what we're doing to prevent like our our defensive backs pre practice they take their helmets off and we do shoulder tackling mm-hmm. i've done it I've done it for years yeah. because it's conditioning them not to use their head when they get they get on the field right that's just how we teach it um right.
0: but and, yeah, that, and that's a that's a very effective way to do it because it's funny i have a a a a guy was training. who was a rugby guy. He's trying to kick pro. And like, he, he was obviously rugby you tackle. And he was like, yeah, like the injury rates in rugby aren't like as crazy. And we don't even use pads no. because you can't use your head as a spear if there's no helmet No, on.
1: rugby too. the, uh, uh, at the youth level, it's illegal to tackle below the knee. Yep. So you're not, so you're not teaching that, that, that ankle biter tackle, you know what I mean? And, and, um, you know, and there's so much out there today. You know, I uh, you know, guys do like Vinny DiGatano does such a great job with that stuff. Richie Gray, you know, Rob Curran, um, you know, like those guys are are phenomenal, and they always put stuff out. Like Vinny does coach tube courses and gives you eighty percent discount because sure. he just loves tackling. You know, and, and yeah. it, like if if you can't educate yourself with, with with especially in in the current virtual environment that we're in, you got to take a look in the mirror.
0: <laughs> yeah no and there's there's unlimited resources right um and i think when and so i wanted to to pivot and we we'll, we're kind of coming up on time here but uh two last things i wanted to make sure the listeners understood you know what what resources you had out there um so tell us about uh the right defense your 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 book you have your two versions of that book and then what you got going on on coach tube
1: Yeah. So uh, the right defense for your program. And then the the volume two version of that. uh, I did the first book in April of last year and the second book in June and uh, both run number one in the football coaching section for a couple of weeks. And uh, the the first book is basically like my coaching journey and stuff that I learned at Madison high school and through guys that are mentors to me a little bit about our practice planning with the Japanese team in January for USA football. And um, the second book is more of a collaborative effort with myself um, Eric Kaspar, uh, Kasparovich, Adam Harvey, John Weaver, John Torrey, uh, Jason Mons and Justin Kramer, just kind of like like I think one of the best chapters in, the, in that book is the is the fourth chapter where it was me, Kasparovich, and Harvey. We basically told everybody from Friday night or Saturday morning to next Friday night how we game plan as a defensive coordinator and gave everything, everything. Um, so I was really, really proud about that. The coach tube stuff is, um, we ran the three high safety defense, the Iowa State version with the Japanese team. So I got a coach tube course on that defending the triple option, leadership, recruiting. Um, there's a bunch of stuff on there, man. And like I said, I'm I'm an open book. If guys ever have questions, I love to get on and talk football. You know, so that 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 stuff's out there for guys if they want to take a look.
0: And I, I got to ask you, what was it like? coaching cross-culturally with the the Japanese football team and it, you know I, I, I asked you because I used to be a Peace Corps volunteer over in Ukraine for two years and I remember doing American football camps and like they loved U.S. football they had no idea how the rules kind of worked I don't think they had a, a, quite as a robust uh, American football league as they do in Europe now but um, what was like or maybe like one of the one or two unexpected cross-cultural things you had to navigate as you taught or as you're trying to coach this crew who may not, you know, speak English fluently?
1: Well, we had, um, we had three translators and there was seven position coaches that spoke no (laughs) Japanese. So that, that, so Google translate was on high alert on our phones uh, walking around. Um, So that, that was something that we overcame. And then, um, you know, the, the the craziest part is, and and I was a DB coach for uh, the Japanese team back in 2017. So I had coached these kids before. Mm-hmm. Um, I told the guys that I brought, I said, it's going to be the easiest week of practice you've ever had in your life. And two guys were Hall of Famers in New Jersey. And they're like, what? I go, you'll tell these kids something once and they'll do it. And if they mess up, they'll apologize to you. So like the middle of the game, we're, we're up, I think, by three or six points or whatever. But now, we're, now mind you, we're in Cowboy Stadium. The Jumbotron is, is up here. Right. The kid makes the tackle, he gets up and apologizes to me. And I'm like, don't apologize. Just get back in and just, I'm sorry, coach. I'm like, don't just go. <laughs> Just go, 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 go line up, get ready to go, man. So um, that was a great experience. And, you know, I've done a few interviews about it. And the one thing I can say is, um, you know, it's it was great to win. But for me, I was so happy for those kids because those kids now can tell their grandkids that they were in J- Cowboy Stadium and beat a U.S. team on their own soil. Like that right. to me w- is, is, is worth it because those, that's, that's a memory for those kids that'll last generationally. Uh, for a lifetime.
0: And it's so interesting. You bring up the, like, they're trying to apologize to you because, uh, you know, I, from having friends who've taught in, in Asia as well, it seems like there, there's a little bit more like hierarchical deference from young, young kids to adult figures than you probably have in, in the U S.
1: Yeah, no, like, like I said, they, they were, they were very, um, well, and that's the thing too, like, um, with USA football, like you, the, the guy, the kids that are selected, for the u.s teams are not just great players they're great sure. kids yep. you know they come from great families and 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 you know it, it like i said that 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 just goes back to the hard work and dedication of, of that of that staff of um coach ingram al pops and, and chuck t and those guys and what they do and how thorough they are with that process and um yeah it, it's it's it, it's pretty cool man like i said it was it was something that uh something that i'll never forget
0: And uh, last question, I know you want to get back to your, your family. Um, What will football teach a young person in 2021 that they're never going to be able to learn anywhere else?
1: Man, you know, I, I think, you know, we always, we always talk about adversity. Um, You know, I I think everyone going through this ordeal the past year has, has gone through different, different types of adversity. Uh, You know, I, I would say for for this season you know I think it's going to be different for everybody man because like we're you know our state is a lot different than a lot of people. Sure. So I mean our kids like you know we just finished our third day of spring practice. You know we're we're some some teams had a six game spring season and hoping to play in the fall. Yeah. We we <laughs> didn't have any at all in Connecticut. Right. You I mean you guys had had none, you know. So um, I think it's going to depend on honestly the location where you are, you know, because um, you, th- this has affected a lot of kids mentally, you know, and, and I think, um, you know, how, how they handle, you know, I, and I think if you play played football, the, the, what, is, what it's taught you is how to deal with stuff like this, like, you know, how to, how to think, you know, how to get, how to problem solve, um, you know, how to say, okay, well, listen, I can't get to school today but coach sent like like we did last year i would just send out workouts on social media because we couldn't meet with the kids so you know it's um there's a lot of lessons that are going to be learned and i think it's going to be a regional thing sure to be i think it's going to be a regional thing brendan uh there's no doubt about that
0: and here's the out thanks for listening to the coach cahill show If you found today's show inspiring or helpful, please write us a review on Apple Podcasts or share the show with a friend. Reviews and ratings are what help us continually attract interesting and engaging guests like the one you heard today. Remember, referrals are the best compliment.